Hello everybody, welcome to the Ridge Rays Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Delatry. On this podcast, we will discuss the gospel, overall hunting topics, and answer questions you guys have about hunting in general. Now let's get into today's episode. Well, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the Ridge Rays Outdoors podcast. This is episode number four. And first, I'm going to start out with the verse from the Bible. It's out of Samuel it's 1 Samuel 16, 7b. It says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And I'm going to touch more on that later in the episode. But first, I have um, one of my best friends, Sean O'Hara, uh, with me on the line. And uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff, mostly hunting public ground in Pennsylvania and uh, a bunch of different archery stuff, archery discussion. So, Sean, uh, what's going on, man? How much, man? How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I just got done shooting my bow not too long ago. Um, shot pretty well. I know you've been shooting quite a bit over the summer. Um, how's yeah, that you been gotta going? Yeah, you got to get then. Got to get those summer reps in. Make sure your, you know, your muscle memory is good for when you're in the stand for when it counts. Absolutely. So, Sean, give us a little background about yourself. We've been friends for, I mean, a long, long time. Uh, I was in your wedding. You were in my wedding. We've been really good friends for for a long time. Hunting buddies, turkey hunting, archery hunting. But just give us a background about yourself, and then we'll kind of get into things. So. Uh, I think the first time I ever met met you was at Graham's house uh, when I used to be your neighbor over there when uh, Mikey and Maddie lived there there for a while, and then we pretty much just started talking about hunting the one time, and friendship took off from there. It's been a been a great ride, so we'll see where it goes. But anyways, my name's John O'Hara. Um, I'm from Warren, uh, Pennsylvania, mostly hunt public land, national forests, state game lands, stuff like that. Um, there is some farmland around here, but it gets pretty, hit pretty hard, a lot of pressure. I tend to have the most success out in the big woods. I know a lot of people say, why do you hunt the big woods? You know, there's no deer out there. There's no big deer out there. But uh, I think Kurt can attest that I've had pretty good success. Uh, maybe not necessarily giants every year. You know, you definitely see them. They're out there. But great turkey hunting, great deer hunting. I just love it. Can't get enough of it. So uh, archery hunting is pretty much my go-to. It's my number one. Obviously, you know, if you don't get it done in archery, you got to go back to, to rifle season. But uh, hopefully this year, me and Kurt can get out and do some filming. And hopefully Colin can come home from Texas. I know he's out there for at least another year. So right. we'll see what goes on with that, but yeah, man, I'm pretty yeah. pretty excited. We uh, we've had a pretty good run with ridge rays these last few years, and uh, now that you finally got a a pretty good camera and uh, some good ca- camera equipment, and um, we've always shot the same bows. It seems like over the last couple years, we've owned the same <laughs> bows since what the the no cam pretty much. Um, yep, the no cam was a good bow. Yep, and then I I kind of um, went back to my creed there for a couple years, and you shot the halons, and and then we 
um, both bought the Verdicts the same year, and then now we both shoot the VXR. You shoot the 31 and a half, and I shoot the the 28 because I'm a little bit shorter, but kind of a hey, you know. What's that? There's there's some Paul guys out there that prefer the 28 too, though. You know, I mean, look at Lilikoski. I think he's shooting the 28. He's a pretty big guy. Yeah, he seems to always like the smaller bows, even when it was like the Z7 Extreme and then the uh, Creed XS and the bows like that. It's kind of funny. And then you have um, Levi, who's he's just as tall as him, but he likes the longer bows because he's more of a 3D guy anyway. But pretty cool. Yeah, we've always been Matthews guys, though. That's for sure. So, but yeah, man, it's all got to shoot what's best. Absolutely. Shoot what feels best, not what's best, but what feels best for you. Right. Yeah. What's best, what, what's best for you? I guess I started, um, in high school shooting a a mission bow made by Matthews and then I stepped it up and got the Creed and killed a couple, couple deer with that. And then, um, when we started really talking and getting deep in this discussion about archery, we, we've always, uh, went and shot the new Matthews bows and then we kind of um, jumped on the bandwagon I guess you'd call it and started buying the new bows but I'm really liking this VXR it's it's pretty sweet so moves shooting fast it's quiet yep not how they do it every year it gets quieter I have no clue engineering I guess but <laughs> all right well um let's get in yeah let's get into today's discussion so like I said um we're going to talk about I guess we'll start out first with uh, with hunting public land around Pennsylvania. It's um, it's the highest pressured state in the country. If anybody, I'm sure everybody on here, at least listening, would know that. And it, it, it's definitely uh, tough to hunt public land around here. And and I've always been, I always grew up hunting public land behind my dad's, and then uh, the big woods with you out there, and uh, yep. in Turkey and everything else you kind of just got to do your scouting and and really just got to walk walk the property walk the land i guess and and figure it out but tell us a little bit about that you've always hunted out there um in the allegheny national forest and stuff so i guess we could start out with that and you can kind of um give your take on public land and how you do it and your tactics and stuff like that so i'll give you the floor now go ahead so basically uh my stepdad, Gary, he got me into hunting, and we have a camp, and it's it's around all national forests and some state game lands, and ever since I was a kid, that's always where we've been, you know, and obviously Gary, you know, he's, you know, in his 60s now, he's been around for a while, and he's been through many seasons, so he had some good, uh, good teaching abilities, you know, and pretty much what I look for on public land is if you can get near, it's, it's pretty much the same as anywhere, you know. Really, if you go where there's feed, water, and good thick bedding cover, you're going to have good success. But on public land around here, there's so many clear cuts, and there's so many acorn flats that you, you do have to do your homework, and you do have to get a little bit scientific to where you're going to be because – some years the deer don't have to move very far to find the food. You know, one year you might be, you might see 20 deer in a day every day, you know, that you go out. But next year you might sit in the same spot and see one deer, two deer, if you're lucky. And it's the, it's all in the mass crop of the acorns. And, you know, is, is, has it been a dry summer? 
do they have to travel for water? Are they bedding closer to the water? Because some of these streams aren't very big and they do dry up. Um, but generally, I like to hunt, you know, just recently in the past, probably, what, Kurt, last five years, six years, I've been hunting creek bottoms a lot during the rut. Seems right. like the, the deer the deer really like to stick near those thick creek bottoms. So um I've always I've always been told, um, at least by really, really good deer hunters, um, not even professionals, but just guys that I listen to over podcasts and YouTube and like Dan Infault and um yep. let's see the DeQuistos, um, that make the lone wolf stands. Uh, their quote at least Dan Infault's quote is, uh, "Big deer love, the, big deer have wet feet," is what they say. Yep. And uh, they are always around water, um, whether that's creek creek bottoms like Sean's hunting, or out here, like me. I had to transition my tactics to kind of hunting swamps and stuff like that. So, a little bit different yeah, I mean, back home in the big woods, but you definitely have have stepped up your game and kind of even changed your tactics over the last, like you said, five or six years. Yeah. Before, you know, I, I pretty much just hunted acorn flats and near apples and a lot of food sources, but now I'm, I'm more towards bedding areas. I guess during the rut, I'm thinking more of the rut. I'm, I'm towards bedding areas and stuff like that because I've always been taught where the doe are, the bucks will come. Right. So, I mean, right. That's just, the natural breeding selection, I guess you'd say. But I don't go into my rut spots until late October. You know, obviously, you have to go in there a couple times during the year and check on things and make sure the does are still in there. But early season, I like to go field edges, oak flats, areas like that where, you know, the deer come out in the morning and feed and the evenings and feed. Right. Um it's just it's crazy how many acres that you have to hunt out there and me being from warren too growing up around there i know how much land is out there it's just like it's unbelievable and that's that's why you have to do your scouting out there it's totally different than um you know hunting a different state or hunting like a small parcel around here say it's 40 acres or something there's thousands of acres up there and it's all big woods and when we're talking big woods we're talking you know big red oaks and white oaks and and big maple trees and stuff like that like pretty yeah, much area you where you can get big... you can get lost in that area like walking out there if you don't know Easily. you know what i mean yeah. everything kind of i wouldn't say everything kind of looks the same but if you don't know it like you can definitely get lost and there there's not like four wheeler trails and stuff out there where you can just, Oh, I'll just take this back to the road or whatever. If you get out there far enough, like you can really get lost out there, but there there's definitely some big mature white tails out there. That's for sure. Um, Absolutely. I talked to a friend a couple of years ago that hunts out there and, and uh, we both agreed that there, I, I might be crazy, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you uh, agree with me, Sean. I think there's 190. I think there's 190, 200 inch deer out there just roaming around. I might be crazy. At least you know, at least in the 170s and 180s, I, I know they've they've got killed out there. But when you get back deep, way back in the woods back there, that those those deer have never seen, you know, a human. 
they live to six, seven, eight years old back there. And, and with the genetics that the big woods bucks have, they, they can get that big out there. I believe they are, but I've, I believe that, you know, they're just very few and far between, but I believe that they are that big out there. Yeah, they're, they're definitely there. I mean, you've seen some of my trail camera pictures. Um, I've got buddies that hunt out there and they've got unbelievable pictures as well, but it's, it's, it's all in, it's all in the science that, you know, the science that you put into your homework and the, the luck. I mean, there's a lot of luck that goes into it. It's not all, yeah. everybody says, oh, you got a golden horseshoe. That's what I hear every year. You got a golden horseshoe. I put a lot of time in the woods. You right. put a lot of time in the woods. Yep. We buy new boots every year. Yep. You know, our boots get worn out. And it's, oh, yeah, it's we put not, miles on them for sure. Yep. It's definitely a little bit of a horseshoe, but, you know, there's it's not all luck. It's a lot of luck. But most of it is, like you said, you're scouting. It's like I said earlier. If you go into a spot one year and you've got deer just piling up, piling up, piling up, you, you don't want to leave that spot. You're going to sit there until you stop seeing deer. Right. Because you never know what's going to come through there. But, you know, the next year you go in there, you sit in there for a week, you see five deer all week. It's time to move. Where do you go to? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't scout this year. Let's just go some random spot. Then you spend your whole season chasing your tail because you don't know where to go. Right. And that, that yep. goes back to just being a mobile hunter too. Like over the years we've, we've learned and, um, we've really kind of transitioned into that mobile hunter, you know, whether that's using a climber stand, which I've used for years. Um, yeah. Or, you know, buying some climbing sticks and a, and a light hang on and throw that, throwing that on your back and just hucking back in the woods somewhere and, and finding a spot, you know, but over the years as well, we, we've got better at looking at maps on our phones and stuff like that. And, uh, that also helps as, that also helps as well. Um, kind of finding pinch points and, and funnels and stuff like that as well. But it's definitely tough to hunt public land in PA. And, and when you consistently get it done, like we do, um, you know, it, but you know, it, it comes from putting time in people, people always ask me and I'm sure they ask you like, you know, how, how do you find, how do you find the deer you do every year? Or how, how are you so successful? Um, and I just tell them, you know, I put hours upon hours upon hours in the woods and, you yep. know, um, luckily we both have wives that let us do that. Um, give or take a couple days <laughs> here and there because we both have, have young, uh, have young sons too but um yeah we're blessed yeah, man we're, we're blessed to be able to do it and have our wives kind of uh you know let us do it and support us i guess you can say so um yeah absolutely but i don't know i, I i've always i've always um love hunting public land too because it's all about the grind for me like it's not the you know the back 40 where you can walk you can drive a foliar to your your stand like a lot of people do around here and uh, hunt the same stand and, and kill. They might be killing big bucks every year, but for me, it's just about the grind. Finding a new deer every year, finding a new spot, finding a new area. Yep. And, and you know, if you learn, you learn more from that too rather than just going hunting your back 40 and hunting the same ladder stand that, you, that you're in, you know, every single year. And you might be Absolutely. successful doing that, but it takes it takes hard work and it takes a lot more dedication to do what 
what we're doing and uh you know and i think i think it's uh more rewarding that way too for sure it is and i mean i've talked to a lot of guys that that own their own like you know 500 acres of their own land or maybe some more you know and they can go and they can put food plots and i mean don't get me wrong those guys put a lot of time and effort right food plot and it's not always okay i'm gonna go sit on the edge of this field because at the end of the day you're still hunting a, a, a wild white-tailed buck right or doe you know and they are very instinctive they're smart yep you're not gonna kill a 160 inch buck because he's dumb yeah right. you know you're gonna outsmart him you, you gotta play the game yeah but i mean we, we do we put a lot of hours in the woods and hard work to me is more rewarding because I don't have land that we can go, you know, I'm going to go spend, I don't even know how much it costs, $5,000 in food plot seed to plant or whatever acre field and then to fertilize it and then go maintain it. I don't have that capability. Right. You know, I've got to go out in the woods and I've got to, I've got to earn it. Yeah. Put boots on not the ground. Other guys don't earn it. We just have to earn it a different way. You know, not taking anything away from those guys. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, no, I, I think it's uh, I think it's fun um, to learn things every year and, and to get out there and, uh, you know, put boots on the ground, put boots on the ground and really learn the property and learn the area and stuff like that. So, um, well, one of the best one of the best ways that we do it is in the spring when, you know, when we're spring gobbler hunting. Oh, yeah, no doubt. That's yeah. that's the number one way to, to scout for deer. I mean. Don't get me wrong, I love my spring gobbler hunting and it's it's right there with archery hunting, but I would lie if I if I said, you know, while I'm turkey hunting, I'm not scouting for deer, that's for sure. So oh, yeah, I mean your brother Colin that one day that that I killed that bird when when he went with with me, you know. Yep. And uh we put I don't even know, you guys put just as many miles in your boots the day before, you know, like seven, seven, eight, miles. nine miles. Yeah. And how many different areas did you go? You're like, oh man, we should put a stand here. We should put a stand here. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like every couple hundred yards, we would be like, oh, this looks like a good funnel. This looks like a good spot for a stand yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah, wow. it's, a, it's a it's a great time to scout, and it's it's probably my favorite time to scout because you can see where the deer were running all winter long. Yep. You know, pre rut, post rut all the evidence is there you just have to go back in and piece it back together right and that's the fun and that's the fun part and what's fun about hunting public land too um especially in pa you know like the highest pressured the highest pressured state like i think pa sells the most hunting license every year but you're you're right in there with with i don't know how many other guys trying to kill the same deer but you just got to outsmart them where and I'm not, like we said, we're not taking anything away from the guys that hunt the back 40, but they're kind of doing it on their own or their neighbor hunts it with them or their son or whatever. And it's like, right. you know, two or three guys hunting hunting that certain property. But if we're hunting public land swamps or the big woods out there, we're doing it with, say, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 other guys in the in the area that are doing it, you know. so Yeah, especially in rifle season. Oh, yeah. And turkey season too. Yeah. I mean, I see yeah. hundreds of guys up in the big woods and stuff trying to hunt these birds, and yep. you know. But look at what happened on that one bird that we were working. That guy came up, 
I mean, Grant, we weren't very far off the road, but we didn't have time to. The guy came up, got right out of his truck, and started calling and spooked the bird. Yeah, that's, that's, that that's seems an everyday happen. occurrence if you're hunting the big woods. Right. Yep. All right. Well, next, um, next topic I have here on my list is um, early season versus late season. So basically like, you know, early season October because our season usually starts the first couple days in October versus kind of late season through the pre-rut to the rut and even like after rifle season because we're specifically talking about archery hunting. So late season as in like January, you know, with the snow and stuff on the ground. So kind of talk about that and your your experiences and your success um, with early season versus late season. Well, I've I've only killed a handful of bucks in the early season. I've kind of struggled with, and I think that goes back to the the food source and, and the water and the bedding. Early season, they don't get up and they don't move as much because it's so warm. You know, they stick to their bedding areas, but at the same time, you know, you know how I hunt. I you know I walk probably mile two miles sometimes from my vehicle mm-hmm. the climber on my back carrying my bow my backpack camera gear so you get in there you're sweaty if you don't play the wind just right or you know switch up your access points those big mature deer are going to bust you every time you're never going to get a chance so i've been really really trying to figure out how to get into this one spot and i just can't quite get in there without getting busted every time until the rut you know the rut comes in, and I really, truly believe that the wind direction, to me, doesn't matter nearly as much during the rut. Some no. people tell me that I'm crazy for thinking that, you know, the does are still still going to bust you. If the buck's by himself, he's still going to bust you. Right. But he's, still, he's paying more attention to what's sent other than you. He's looking for a doe. You know what I mean? So if, if you got a hot doe in the area, that wind doesn't mean anything. Right. I've had I've had more success the first week in November than any other time of the year during, you know, between archery and rifle. That one, what, two years ago, um, I killed that eight point. It would have been the last Saturday of the season, but they changed for it was weird the way they did it they had the last day on that monday mm-hmm. but it was the wind was blowing it was spitting snow it was probably 20 25 degrees and it was 40 mile an hour wind gusts and i was sitting in that little tiny cherry tree i just randomly picked out this tree in this in this creek bottom where i'd been hunting the past few seasons and first light not even first light i was driving down in there you could see the sun coming up Got in there a little bit late, but I parked, I got out, and it was the, the wind was blowing, and I'm like, man, heck with this. I'm going home. I'm not going to sit in a tree stand, you know, with the wind blowing like this. So I got in my truck, and I started driving back up the road, and a nice eight-point was chasing a doe. He crossed right in front of me, headed right down towards where I was going to sit, and I was like, ah, all right. Changed my mind. I went back down the road, got in there. It was probably 7.15 when I saw my first deer, but after that, you know how Drury says the deer parade? Yep. It was just like that all day long until I shot my buck. I missed a, a beautiful nine point that morning and 
I remember that. You saw that. the video from that. I remember that. Yep, he um, ducked it. That was nuts. Yeah, he he ducked the arrow pretty hard. I mean, I think my shot still would have probably been a little like high shoulder, but no excuses. I still missed. And then later on in the day, I shot a nice probably two and a half year old eight point, which I'm never gonna pass that up on when I have one day left to hunt in archery season. Right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Especially on public land. Yeah, and with the, but, with your work schedule and stuff, I remember you were working quite a bit, um, working yeah, so it, night shift and whatnot. So yeah, but, it was it was a tough year, but we made it happen. Now um, my question is, for the listeners, tell the listeners how many years in a row you have killed a buck with your bow. Wasn't it? It, it was, it was a oh. long. It was years. I mean. And you're still going strong, right? Or did you skip a year? Yeah. No, I've been with. I've been with Casey. Casey's my wife. Um, I've been with her since 2013, I believe. Can't remember. It's been a long time. But I've killed a buck every year with my bow since 2013, and I believe. It's been since 2010 every year with my bow, so it's 10 years going strong. I was going to say, it, I thought you were still in high school, though. I thought it was like 13 years strong or something. But... No, there's only, there's since since high school, there's only been one year, and that year I killed a little half rack with my rifle. That year I just like, didn't have much luck. I wasn't seeing many deer. I think I only saw one shooter out of my stand all archery season that year. Gotcha. So, I mean, it was one of those years where it's like, am I ever going to see a deer? But, yeah, it was ever since I've been archery hunting, you know, there's only a few years that I haven't gotten it done. Right. Just been lucky and so grateful to have a, a great teacher, you know, with Gary. Right. So, for you, I, I would have guessed it before we even started talking because you've always had good luck that first week in November. And you have you have um had really good um opportunities at big deer late october as well but seems like that first week november i remember back in 2000 what was it 2013 or no it was 2014 it was like six years ago we both tagged out on the same day november 8th yeah i shot that decent eight pointer the first actually it was the first buck i ever shot with my bow but like an hour or so before that you shot that big 10 pointer um, which is still actually your biggest buck to date. Um, yep. That was a pretty awesome day, November 8th. But, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would be able to guess it before you even before you even started talking that um, your favorite time of the year is that first week, November. But I, I would say about 85% of people would say that around here, especially, they're, you know, especially yeah. if you talk to guys in PA that hunt public ground. But, anybody else they might say oh i love the second i love the third week of october um around here or even a different state but it depends on your technique of how you hunt i know um for me my technique's going to change this this season a little bit i'm going to try to push more into the bedding especially um especially early season like i'm gonna you know if i i kick deer out whatever but i'm really going to try to kill killing pattern a buck like the first two weeks of october and maybe hunt more around scrapes um the second to third week yep. of october but 
I've had really, really good luck uh, in November too. I mean, my biggest buck, um, that one on my wall that I shot in 2017, that was November 7th. Um, I got that on film as well, 133-incher on public ground, game lands out here. But so, but my tactics, have, they've changed a little bit over the last couple of years. I used to hunt like a lot of funnels and pinch points, and but that's more um, geared towards that's the rut anyway. Woods. In the big woods, right, right. And I, tr I had to transition right. my – I had to kind of change my tactics when I moved up here to uh, Crawford County – um, from coming from Warren County because uh, there's not as much big woods up here and it's more farm country and swamp country up here. So right. for me, um, late season, yes, you know, towards the rut. Um, but really, I'm going to transition this year. I'm going to hopefully have more success, at least getting chances at, at mature, you know, three and a half, four and a half year old bucks early season. I'm just going to push more into that bedding. And, you know, like I said, if I spook them, I spook them, but I, I'm going to learn from it, you know, so. It's a rip you have to take sometimes. I mean, yep. it's just like what I was talking about earlier, trying to push into that spot and, you know, getting busted all the time. Yeah, like, you, you learn know, from it. You know, just as well as I do, there's big mature deer on the ANF. We've got pictures of them. We see them. You know, look at that one last year. I, I saw that big 10 point probably – seven or eight times out of my stand i just 60 yards 50 yards but it's so thick you can't get a shot right you know yep if it wasn't thick i th i think you know i think i'd have a good chance to kill him at 60 yards a lot of people say oh i would never shoot over 30 i mean well, I, with with the technology <laughs> nowadays and um he used to shoot 3d tournaments and stuff like that too um, yeah, a lot. Back in the day. You know, I mean, if he gave me a perfect shot at 60 yards, would I take it? Probably. Well, you you shot that. Yeah. You shot that one buck, what, three years ago at 60 yards or something, and it ran like 40 yards and piled over, you know? Yeah, that was that. How many years ago that was that? That big six-pointer. Oh, probably four years ago. Three, three or four years ago. Yeah, I remember three that. Three or four years ago. Yep. That was with yeah, the that, old that's the, like, like you said, technology. You know, he's got the range finders, and we both shoot the single pin sights, and you can dial it right into the yard. Oh yeah. And I, I, I pinwheeled that deer, and like you said, he didn't go thirty five yards, but right. But anyways, uh, we're getting off topic. Um, but late late season rut, like you said, early November, late October. Uh, my tactic is, like I said, the creek bottoms. I see a lot of deer down there, but when I say creek bottom, I'm I'm also you know hitting the funnels. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit where the funnels are, the pinch points, the deer. They just go right up those little draws. Yep. A lot of them lead to a, a big bedding area where the does are gonna sit and hang out till you know. They're gonna go in there late morning that's when those bucks are going to get up off their feet and they're going to come cruising those creek bottoms until they hit a hot doe and then they're going to go right up that funnel so for me that's my tactic for for the rut but for early season like i said earlier probably field edges oak flats some bedding areas a lot of food maybe 
Yeah, and then late season, like after Christmas archery, um, you you have to hunt the food. I mean, those deer they they aren't getting up and traveling a mile. You know, when it gets cold, they're gonna stick as close as they can to the food. A lot of times, if you can find some red oaks and white oaks that mix in with the hemlocks where the snow isn't as deep, you have really good success. But I haven't really had to hunt many years late season. Right. I've only killed probably a couple doe. I think two doe in the late season. So you killed one last year in late season. Yeah, I think it was January 1st, 40, 40 yard shot. I poked her, poked her out at 40 yards. Out in the food plot, my buddy's food plot, pretty awesome. Um, yeah, but, that was a good video. Yeah, it was. And, and I think uh, it's a little bit different. Depends on where you hunt as well. Like, you're hunting the big woods. You don't really have fields and stuff like I do up here, like farm country where there's food plots, and I can hunt field edges where they come out to the food. But what does Mark Jury always say? Deer slaves to their stomach. So it doesn't <laughs> matter what time of the year. It doesn't matter if it's early doesn't matter if doesn't matter if it's like mid October or the rut or even late season archery deer are slaves to their stomach so it doesn't matter what time of the year they're always going to be basically they always have food on their mind you know they have to survive and right. they you know they have to find that food so yeah i mean they're they're definitely instinctive and they're going to do whatever it takes to survive Oh yeah, man. That's all they. That's all they do. That that's all deer do. Well, that's all wild animals do. But for deer, they're they're always getting hunting hunted by something, so their instinct is to survive. I mean, they have to eat, they have to bed in the the right spot, and they have to have the wind so they can smell, and they always right. have to be watching out for coyotes and just predators hunting them. And they know, you know, humans are hunting them too. But that's why it's always good to be kind of cautious of where you're hunting and but like i said if i push if i push a deer out of his bed this year you know that that's something i learned from so right but okay so yeah the next topic here um i think we we tackled the um the different seasons pretty well there um yeah i mean if, if anybody ever I know we're we're definitely by no means professional hunters. I mean, we've definitely had a great deal of success. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if anybody ever has any questions about anything like that, you know, just send Ridgeways and you know a message to the Facebook page or Instagram or whatever, and you know, we can always get back to you. You know, we can always talk as a group. You know, give everybody our thoughts. So yeah, we usually are pretty helpful. I've had a lot of people over the last I don't know how many years um, text me or message me. Um, on social media and ask questions and stuff and this is why I'm doing these podcasts is because I want to make you guys better hunters you know we we've we've right. been through it and we're we're gonna um, learn every year and we're gonna continue to learn every year but I want to make everybody else better hunters you know and I'm not Absolutely. I'm not sitting here and saying I'm the best hunter and I'm professional either like Sean said but we want to do the best we can to help you guys succeed so that's what we're that's what we do this for so the next topic right. I have um, kind of goes into um, hunting the seasons as well, but it's morning hunt versus like a, an evening hunt. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll kind of give my opinions on either hunting the morning or hunting the evening. 
So I guess that's kind of like a like a loaded question, but loaded in the sense that it depends on where you're get, you know where your goal of killing a deer is at or your target buck where where are you hunting? You know you got to pay attention to the thermals, stuff like that, and yep, especially in the big woods. Um, that's what I've learned over the years is I have a, a lot of success in the mornings, but I also have a lot of success in the evenings. So it all depends on where you're set up at. But I personally prefer mornings just because you get in there, it's still nice and cool, it's crisp. Usually the wind is not really picking up too much in the morning like it does towards midday in the evenings. It starts to fall off again usually. But during the morning hunts, it seems like the deer are up on their feet more in the evenings. They come out, you know, they stir around, but a lot of times you see them and then it's like, oh, crap, it's, I don't have a shot. It's dark, you know? Yeah. So for me, I would say mornings, all year round even. I mean, late season, early season, it doesn't matter. I've, I've definitely seen and had more success in the mornings. Yeah, so it goes back to what what terrain you're hunting. Like Sean pointed out, the thermals. Um, if you can explain that um, as well. Uh, but you're hunting you're hunting like hilly, mountainous areas. You know the big woods and um, the A and F out there. Kind of describe, kind of kind of give us some information on how thermals work in the morning and then how they they dip down in the evening kind of talk about that so in the morning if you if you've got a spot where deer are coming off the hillsides and they're going down into these valleys and stuff it can be great you just have to know where to set because thermals are going to rise right that's yeah, how the air works rise in the morning and it rises in the morning and then in the evenings the air falls right right that's the dew on the ground and stuff like that. So you just have to be aware of which way the deer usually come from and, and things like that. So if you can get a good bearing, thermals are a good way to figure out, I guess, how you want to hunt. As if that makes sense. I'm not a scientist, but to me, I've always had great success in the mornings where i hunt right does that make sense yeah definitely um i just think uh your tactics are you know you you use the same tactics and you've been successful with them and you know if you're hunting in the morning you have a a spot where your thermals are going to rise but they're not gonna your wind's not going to be blowing right in those deers the, the deer's uh face basically you know, if you're hunting a certain um, pinch point or funnel, your thermals are going to be blowing basically totally opposite way that you right. anticipate the deer coming, basically, is what Sean's trying to say. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and that's like I said, I love to hunt the creek bottoms now. I never did before. I always thought it was funny when I'd see guys hiking down in the creek bottom. Oh, what's that guy go, going all the way down for? You know, the food's up here. Mm-hmm. But... Now I figured out why, and like I said, mornings the thermals are going to rise. So I'm not talking. I'm going and sitting right on the creek. I'm 
400 yards off the creek up on the hill. You know what I'm saying? So right on that ridge line, that's where I've got the most success. Yep. Yep. Um, so I guess for me, uh, it's changed over the last couple of years. Like I said, a lot of my hunting's changed just for me learning, but for me having to kind of change my tactics. But um, I've always loved hunting mornings, and I'd probably still choose mornings if someone was to ask me. Um, I've had more success in the mornings um, killing deer, but I don't know if that's the same. I don't know if that's the same over the last like two years of me like seeing deer and having encounters with with big with big deer i know i shot that big buck um the one i shot back in 2017 that was that was in the evening at 5 30 chasing a doe um i've seen a lot of mature bucks the last two years in the evening going back um either you know coming out of the bedding or going back to their bed which they usually do that in the mornings but i guess it depends on what time of the year if I was so basically for me, if I was to choose the first two weeks of the season, this is just my opinion though. I would choose to hunt the evenings early season because you might catch those deer coming out of their bedding to the food. Um, yep. And a lot of the times that it is uh, warm early season, you're going to be pretty. They're going to be already in their bed by the time you're going to try to be in your stand. So you might spook them, but for me, if I'm hunting the rut, like pre-rut in the rut, um, when they're checking scrapes or when they're chasing does, like um, in November, a hundred percent, I would choose to hunt the morning. Way more um, yep. activity right when the sun comes up. Um, into like I've seen deer chase all day, but basically till nine, ten, eleven o'clock. And a lot of the guys, a lot of people will leave their stand around lunchtime. I've seen so many deer chasing doe around two, three o'clock in the evening as well. So I guess it just depends on the time of the year that you're hunting. Like if, like I said, if someone asked me, I would probably still say morning, but the first two, three weeks of the season, probably two and a half weeks of the season, I definitely love hunting evenings. So you're not, you can kind of get into that spot really early, like two, three o'clock and have a couple hours till you think you'll, you basically know you're going to see action where yep. if I'm hunting later in the year, I'm definitely going to be hunting mornings for sure. And and for me, I think that you just said the number one, the biggest key is to get in there early afternoon. You know, a lot of people don't have a choice. You know, they work some, a lot of people work weekends too. And, you know, you can't get out there until, four or five o'clock still go out there but if you can get out there at one two o'clock in the afternoon yeah it's probably hot because it's early season dress light take a heavy you know hoodie or something like that so that when you get in there you can get in your stand you can put that hoodie on but yeah walk really slow i mean you don't have to hurry to your stand unless you get there late like i try to go the slowest as i can so i'm not breaking a sweat and being really loud but um i guess that's another thing is access points but you have to have entry and exit that's one of the most important things that people forget they just barge into these spots and they're like well i'm not seeing deer i'm spooking deer well it's because your entry and exit are are terrible into those certain spots right 
So you know, and and sometimes it's it's good to mix up. Like if you're gonna go in the same spot all year round, that's fine. Right. But you've got to mix up how you're walking in there because if you think that those deer don't pattern you, you're crazy. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, it, and it goes back to checking trail cameras too. Like I always take a different access point in and out checking my trail cameras too like i know in years past i would go down the same trail and check the same camera and leave the same way and i spooked a lot of deer doing that and like i said i've learned over the years but entry and exit is is definitely one of the main things that guys forget and then they wonder why they're not having success so yeah have you ever climbed up in your tree stand not made a lot of noise but made more noise than normal and then you don't even have your bow up yet and you're still getting situated and you look up and there's a deer looking at you oh yeah definitely the one year to to make a make a long story short basically me and my brother were were hunting it was like late october we didn't even really expect to see a deer yet and we got in there in the evening we both had our climbers and this is like this is this is only like two years ago Probably one of the best archery seasons I've ever had that year. I saw a lot of shooter bucks that year. But anyway, we, we get into this one spot and we climb up. And I'm all the way up. I'm like 30 feet because I was going to be above him filming. And I look over and he's like, I don't even, not even six feet up in the tree. I look over and there's like a beautiful three and a half year old, like nine pointer. And he's not staring at us. He wasn't looking at us, but he was looking like in the area so I like whistled at call and I'm like, dude, don't move. And yeah, well, he didn't get a shot at it or anything, but that thing came like 35 yards through the brush. I could have shot it, but I wasn't going to shoot it cause I was there to film. But, and then we ended up seeing two more shooter bucks that same day in that spot. But, oh, it can happen, man. It, you always, that's why I always try to get into my spots like extra early. Like, if I'm trying to hunt a morning, I'll try to get in there at least an hour early, if not an hour and a half. But if I'm hunting the evening and I know the deer move, say, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, I want to get in there super early. Even if I have to sit there and sweat and not see deer for an hour and a half, I'm going to do it, you know? Right. Well, I guess my point, my whole point to that is deer are curious. I mean, if you can get in there without oh, for sure. throwing a lot of scent out and having that deer wind you, if you're making noise and you're, you gotta remember you're in that deer's bedroom. Yep. That's where they live. You know, they're going to be curious. What, what the heck is in my bedroom? What's over here? What's making this noise? Do I need to flee or am I going to be safe? So, I mean, a lot of times that's what they do. You know, last year I was hanging a stand and it was what, probably August. And I was in there hanging a stand, clinking the, you know, the metal, the straps are hitting the, the, the climbing sticks and stuff like that, clinking around and, I look over, there's this doe stepping through the golden run. All I can see is her head bobbing up and down, looking in my direction, like, what the heck is that? You know? Right. Yep. So, oh, they're yeah, trying they're, to find out. They're curious animals, for sure. Okay. Well, the last thing I have here on my list is, uh, I know you're you're big into, like, uh, arrow, select, arrow selection and uh, broadhead selection so um we can we can talk about that and you can kind of give i guess give your opinions on um i guess your arrow selection and then you can kind of 
what I want to do is I want to talk about um, different spines and like FOC and different things like that. We can start with the basic stuff and then you can get into the to the more like in-depth stuff and then we can end with uh, like broadhead selection and stuff like that. We're coming up on 50 okay. minutes so um, you know we can kind of discuss this and then close it out. Okay so you know a lot of guys talk about what in the archery industry. What do they all, what does everybody want? They want speed. Everybody wants speed, speed, speed. Yep. Am I wrong? You know, that's what everybody talks about. All the new the new Matthews or the new Hoyt shoots 350 feet per second, and the Botex only shooting 330, so I'm going to go out and spend an extra $800 on the Hoyt because it's faster. Well, I'm the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. I used to be all about speed, and I shot a buck. Still makes me sick. I shot a buck. I hit him right in the shoulder would smoke my 10 point that I have on the wall. He was gorgeous. Long story short, didn't get the deer. I only probably got maybe an inch or two of penetration. And that was with, I think that was with the Halon 32, right? That was just a couple of years ago. So it wasn't, wasn't that long ago that I made the switch. But anyways, I prefer a heavy arrow. I mean, there's a lot of arrows out there. 400 spine arrow with a 29 inch draw and 70 pounds well your spine's too weak you know what i mean a lot of people will just want to shoot as fast as they possibly can and for me that's just that's not practical that's like taking a tennis ball and like a heavy cue ball and throwing them both at a window which one's going to break the window well the, the cue ball is going slower but it hits harder so it's got more momentum. It's going to go through it's through the object, right? Right. Um, you're talking about FOC. For me these days, I'm trying to shoot the strongest, lightest shaft that I can. I know that kind of contradicts what I'm saying before, but you're going to add a lot of weight up front of the arrow. Now, before you get in, get into what your setup is, when you talk about that stuff, um, kind of talk about what like front of center is FOC's front of center and talk about what spine is. So if there's some people that are curious about what you're talking about, that might just be getting into archery, then uh, discuss that and then get into kind of your setup or whatever. Okay, sure. So a lot of people think I, I not think I hear a lot of people, like even if you go to a local bar or something like that, you know, you hear guys talking about archery hunting and even if you're not part of the conversation, you always tend to listen see if they're going to tell some cool story or something. You hear a lot of guys talking about, yeah, I just got these, I'm just going to keep 400 spine. I got these 400 grain arrows. Everybody says 400 grain arrows. So they don't know what the, when the label says 400 on the side of the arrow, what it actually means. You know, it's a 400 spine. It's the stiffness of the spine. So basically, if you take that arrow, put one hand on one end and your other hand on the other end and you bend it, you flex it, how easy is that arrow flex? It's probably pretty easy being a 400 spine arrow, right? Right. Then you go to a 200 spine arrow and you flex it. So the 200 spine arrow is going to be stiffer and stronger. So that is what the spine means. It's the stiffness of the arrow. How hard is is it to bend that arrow um, in short? The difference for spine, though, is you have to have this a certain spine for your certain setup the draw 
draw length you shoot right. and the draw weight. Like I guarantee yep. me and you probably don't shoot the same spine because we're shooting 70 pounds, both of us, but we're not the same draw length. Um, and yeah, I've switched my spines. Draw. I've switched my, my arrow spine um, quite a bit, but I think I figured out what my spine is. And, you know, that also goes into penetration in a deer too. Like some people like more flex in their area arrow. So it, it kind of bends in between the bone and whatnot. Um, but then you go back to like a stiffer spine. It's, it's usually going to be more like stiffer. Obviously it's going to blow through more bone and be tougher. You know what I Which mean? Which is in my opinion, what you want. Which is better. Right. But everybody has different opinions but you just got to find the right setup for for yourself and you have to make sure your arrows are cut to the right length i know a lot of people getting into archery screw up that screw that up a lot as well yeah i mean i shoot a 30 inch draw what do you you're you're 26 and a half my my draw length is 26 and a half but i shoot a 26 inch cam because it just feels right to me. And sometimes those Matthews bows, they run like a, a quarter of an inch, a little bit long. With a right. D-loop and everything, too, it adds it adds a little bit as well. But it, 26 inches feels perfect for me. But right. I'm short. So you're shooting so. a 26-inch arrow, 26-and-a-half-inch arrow at 70 pounds. I'm shooting a 29-and-a-half-inch arrow at 70 pounds, which is where I have my arrows cut to. But if I were to shoot, like you're probably shooting, what's your, what, what are your fire dice? 300 spine? 300 spine, yep. So you're shooting a 300 spine. I'm shooting a 200 spine. But I've also got like 175 grains of extra weight added up front. Yeah, so for the... everybody that's, that's new in the archery world, how an arrow works, when your string pushes against that arrow, your arrow flexes immediately. Mm -hmm. So all your energy is transferred from the rear of the arrow to the front of the arrow. So when you shoot, you don't want to lose any energy. You know, you want to be as efficient as possible. So obviously you can be too stiff, but with today's bows, you know, technology, it's really hard to shoot too stiff of an arrow. But the more your arrow flexes during flight, and when you're releasing, the less energy that you're transferring to the front of your arrow to pull your arrow through the object. Does that make sense? Yep. So if, you're, if your arrow is flexing, 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 trying to stabilize, you're losing energy. So you're probably not going to get as much momentum, or not momentum, you're probably not going to get as much penetration as you could if you're shooting, even if you're shooting the same grain arrow weight, like a 450 grain arrow is probably a lot of people say perfect for whitetail hunting which if it works for you it works for you i think i think yours are like 450 460 right is where we figured they were gonna be i think yeah i think they're right around that 450 mark but i think uh i think i'm gonna trim them up a little bit they're a little bit too long right now um but that's a different story but i used to shoot 400 spine and I wasn't getting the penetration I wanted. So I went to the 300, and I did not shoot a buck with my bow last year. I ended up killing one in, our, in rifle season. But um, 
I think it was two years ago I switched arrows um, and I had a I might have had a 350 spine it blew right through the buck and the doe that I shot but last year when I was using those element arrows the fire and ice that 300 spine I absolutely blew through that doe that I shot at 40 yards she didn't even flinch it hit her she ran like 50 yards and piled over and that arrow was buried like super deep into the ground too so I knew right then and there I'm shooting the right spine and basically the right broadhead as well but the right um setup you know what I mean yeah I mean your your arrow is recovering quickly out of your bow so I mean when you're shooting that your arrow is not flexing as much right so you have more energy going into the target and that's what you want yep and a lot of guys say well, adding too much weight up front is bad. Well, it could be bad if you don't shoot the right spine. You can't just take a what you would normally shoot. So if you take a 350 spine axis arrow, it's that's what I used to shoot, or a 340, not a 350, a 340 spine axis arrow, and just shoot normal uh, that hit inserts. I think those are like 16 grains. Yep. 15 grains. You can do that all day long with my draw length and my draw weight with a 340 spine arrow. But the second you go, oh, I want to shoot brass inserts, well, you probably shouldn't do that because now you're going to be underspined. Right. I used to shoot those. I I used to shoot the same thing, the Eastern Axis, years ago, which I I still like a lot. But I shot the four. They're a great arrow. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I shot the 400s, and when I shot that big buck, it did not penetrate, which the deer ducked and a bunch of other stuff happened. But luckily, I had enough weight in my arrow and uh, enough speed on my bow to, you know, end up recovering that deer. But if I was using the wrong weight and the wrong spine, then I probably, in the wrong broadhead, I wouldn't have, I guarantee I wouldn't have recovered that deer. But, right. Um, if you weren't a patient. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely wasn't pushing that deer. I left it left him lay overnight. That's for sure. Right. So the. So I mean. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, finish because I want to finish with the with our broadhead discussion before before we end this, um, before we end this episode. Okay, so you're talking about FOC front of center. Yep. Um, basically, it's the balance point on your arrow. Where can you take that arrow and and balance it on a on a stick or however you want to balance it. Some people use like a ruler or something like that, but you, you balance that arrow. Some people's are halfway through because they're shooting a super light arrow. And a lot of people shoot a heavier arrow where you have more weight up front and you're going to be more towards the front of the arrow. So in theory, the higher percentage of FOC that you're shooting, the better arrow flight, stability and more penetration you're going to get because your arrow is recovering more quickly you have more energy going into the target right and, and, you the, can, and there's more weight up front for when it initially totally hits true. the animal it's going to yeah, penetrate totally, better because your momentum's transferred from the rear of your arrow to the front of your arrow and that momentum's pulling your arrow through your object right yeah. so you can take i was going to talk about it before we got off topic last time but if you're if all you've got is a 400 spine arrow 
and you do want to put a little bit of weight up front, you can do that. And if your arrow seems like it's under spine, it's not, you can't tune your bow with that arrow. You can take and you can add like a, like an arrow wrap or a lighted knock or a knock bushing or something like that to add a little bit more weight to the rear of your shaft to help balance that out a little bit. Right. And you know, you can still get more, more energy up front and a heavier arrow. No doubt. Um, okay. Well, so we'll transition from arrow discussion right into broadhead and then we'll end it. Um, we can pretty much make this quick. It doesn't really matter. We're, we're at an hour now. Um, and I guess the last thing, pretty much what everybody and their brother, um, ask about on forums and, um, any discussion about archery is, is what broadhead do you shoot? And, uh, you can go first and then, then I can end it up. Um, mine, mine will be pretty quick cause I've stuck with the same one <laughs> for forever, but you can go and then we can end it with, with my discussion. So, I mean, with, with my draw weight and my draw length and the arrows I shoot, you know, I shoot a heavier arrow. I have a little bit more of a broadhead selection available, but you don't ever want to shoot a broadhead that you can't get to deploy if you're shooting a mechanical broadhead. And a lot of people have issues. But anyways, um, I've shot a lot of broadheads over the years, and I think Kurt can tell you that. He's always, man, you're switching again, oh, changing geez. again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, he likes to pick on me about that stuff. But I just experiment year to year. You know, there's always new broadheads coming out. Um, last year, I shot the Dead Ringer Hatchet um, that Buck I shot. The broadhead did a good job the deer went down quickly i don't know something happened I, my arrow deflected off of a rib or something um it, it was kind of odd but broadhead did a good job but for years i shot the the rage chisel tips uh, yep. those things were wicked i mean i shot a bunch of deer with them and you shoot uh you tell them what you shoot i shoot the same thing but, but i I shoot this the Rage Chisel Extremes a little bit bigger cut, and I've shot bigger, those bigger forever. I mean, literally the first deer I ever killed with a, well, no, let me take that back. The first deer I killed was with like a G5 Montec, but that was like freshman year of high school, and I was shooting a bow. I had no clue, and but that was a doe. But the first doe and the first buck I ever shot, uh, I shot with that the Rage Chisel Extreme, and I I guarantee you're the one that got me on that because i'm i'm sure we had discussion about what arrow to shoot i was shooting some probably cheap east eastern arrow and then i was like well what broadhead and you were like chisel so i grabbed the chisel extreme and i never i never yeah. went back from there you know i've i've killed I think. i've killed a lot of deer with with those broadheads yeah i mean they're, they're a great broadhead um i just experiment over the years and you say about the montec i shot that one eight point that we were talking about earlier in the podcast uh i shot that one with the montec yeah and it blew through both shoulders and stuck two inches in a in a tree so but this year i'm going to shoot the the flying arrow archery it's called the kratos 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new broadhead, and I love the design. So if you guys are curious, go to their website. Uh, it's buyflyingarrow.com, and check out that broadhead. But, yeah, I mean, there's just so many options. You can shoot a different broadhead every day of the week and never run out of options. Oh, dude, we can sit but, here for an hour and have a discussion just about just about broadhead selection. I don't, I don't want to do that because I got to work tomorrow and you got to work tomorrow too. But, um, no, it, it, it's just crazy the discussions. They, they always come back to, oh, what broadhead do you shoot? Or, oh, why would you lose that deer? Oh, it was because he was shooting a mechanical. Or a lot of that stuff when you – can't find a deer or don't get penetration or whatever it's it's a it literally goes back to what arrow are you shooting and a lot of people skip that and they just buy cheap arrows and they don't even get the right spine they don't get the right weight and then they spend all this money on expensive broadheads where your arrow is like honestly probably the most important thing other than you know your bow your bow setup and everything else but you can shoot. You can kill a deer with a field tip if you had the right arrow setup. Honestly, like I've told that to many people, and they look at me like, "Oh, you're nuts." I'm like, "If you if you shoot a deer in the double lung it or shoot it in the heart with the field tip, I guarantee you would kill that animal if you had the right arrow setup." You know what I mean? Yeah, you're just you're just not gonna have the blood trail that you would. Right. You know, I mean, and I'm sure there's some somebody out there that's done it. Oh, I'm sure. But it's like, like you said, you could, you could shoot pretty much any broadhead you want to, as long as you're shooting the right arrow. Any broadhead's going to perform. That's what their job is. But it, it just goes back to people's opinions. All mechanicals don't open up and, oh, fixed blades don't tune right and they don't fly right. Well, it just goes back to what arrow are you shooting and are you shooting the right poundage and the right draw length? And it goes back to pretty much the basics and then your your broadhead selection falls into place after that but that's always the biggest right. topic people talk about is oh well well you know your mechanical broadhead failed or you know your your broadhead it, oh it was a broadhead do you're using and they don't they don't spend the extra time and the extra money on a on a good arrow selection a good arrow setup for their for their bow you know they spend a thousand a thousand dollars on a bow and then they spend you know, $30 on Walmart arrows or crappy arrows that they just want to throw on their bow. And then they spend $50 on broadheads and then they wonder why they don't get penetration. It's like, well, you know, what arrow are you shooting? Are you shooting the right spine and weight? And so, well, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I was talking about before when, you know, you're talking about an arrow recovering. And if, if you shoot a deer at 10 yards or even five yards, if, if the deer's that close and you're shooting an underspined arrow, and it's still trying to recover. Do you think you're going to get maximum penetration when that arrow hits the deer and it's still flexing? No, you're right. losing all your energy as soon as you hit it. Yep. So, arrow no selection. Doubt. Don't skip tuning. You know, you definitely want to keep. You know, get your your bow in tune. Yep. Because if you have a properly tuned bow, you can shoot any broadhead out there. Yeah. That's going to shoot almost identical to your field point. With the technology nowadays, and like the collars that are on on each broadhead like they're meant for penetration they're not meant to fail they don't want they don't want the reputation of oh my rage failed or oh my you know my my muzzy or whatever failed because you know it didn't get penetration and i didn't find the animal well it wasn't the broadhead it was either you made a bad shot or what you weren't using the right the right arrow selection for your bow setup 
So yeah, I mean, broadheads are—you're going to have failures from time to time. That's just—that's just nature. But right. shot placement is probably ninety percent of the reason why people lose their deer. Right. No. Or, yeah. No doubt. Or you know, there's freak accidents where you make a great shot on a deer and that deer is just tough as nails and it just runs and runs and runs. Right. Cause I've seen that before too. So yeah, but no doubt. Well, if there, that's all I got on my list, unless you have anything else, um, to talk about Sean. And if not, man, we can, we can wrap this up. Well, there was, there was only one thing that I wanted to talk about was when we were talking about during the rut and stuff like that. Um, What's your go-to for, like, calling or sense during the rut? What, you're asking me that. Yeah, what's your go-to? Because a lot, a lot of people all go out there, they go to the store, and they buy everything and anything that they can. They throw three, four different scents out, or they try five different calls when they're, when they're in the stand, you know. Well, What's your go-to? Um, to wrap it up, I don't like to blind call. Oh, let me take that back. When I grunt, I don't like to blind, to do it blind when I don't see a deer. I don't like to just blow on my grunt call, but I'm different when it comes to rattling. Like I'll blind, I'll do a blind rattle and I've called many deer in. Um, but the thing is, I don't know if I've ever called a mature buck in that I would shoot. And that might be because the spots I hunt and maybe the pressure. Um, but I have killed, uh, what was it? Two years ago, I killed a buck using, um, tarsal glands from a buck that I got, that I knew a guy shot the night before. Um, that was that seven and a half year old buck I shot out in the swamp. Um, and also we put out some deer urine, some doe and estrus, that morning on a scrape so he i think he hit a scrape line and came right towards us and then like you said deer are um they they kind of want to know what's going on in the area um yep and i think he came you know he came checking those scrapes and then he came in smelling those tarsal glands and i think he was postured up all pissed off all mad that there was another deer in the area and there might have been a hot doe that he was chasing and he came in and gave me a 15 yard shot and the rest was history. So, yeah. Definitely. How about how about for and you? We'll, we'll end on that. How about for you? What what's your choice on that? What's your opinion? So I think you kind of nailed it, pretty much. Uh, I used to blind call a lot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm not old, but um, I used to blind call a lot. And you might get a deer to react to it, but they're already on you. That deer knows, maybe if not the tree you're in, they know in the general direction that you're in. The second they hear that, that nose goes right in the air, you know. That's why you see, like, if you've rattled a big mature buck in, what do you do? Nine times out of ten, he's going to circle downwind before he comes into shooting range. He's going to try to catch your wind to see if you're actually a deer. So, but my go-to is in the rut is uh, obviously a doe bleat. You know, if you've got a buck that's cruising with his nose down, I don't blind call with a doe bleat, but if I see him out there, oh, I'm going to grunt at him. To, I'm going to grunt to stop him, and then I'm going to hit that bleat can. As yeah. soon as he stops, I'm hitting that bleat can. And usually it works. 
I know you were the so, one that got me into buying that that Primo's long can. Man, I've had a lot of su- success over the years calling deer in with that. Um, those yep. things are awesome, especially obviously during pre-rut and right into the rut. Those things they really can do some damage calling some calling some deer in to range. But I guess this year my tactic's going to be I kind of want to hunt secret like I want to I don't really want the deer to know I'm in the area. So I'm going to like I said right. I'm, I'm going to do a lot of um hunting where I'm like cl- very very close within 100 yards of these deer bedding and I don't really want to be I don't want to give my position away calling and rattling and bleeding and stuff like that using using maybe like a mock scrape or something. I I literally just want to catch them um in utter surprise when I when I sling an air at them. So yep, we'll see we'll see what happens. Bro. I'm I'm excited, man. We always we we talk all year round, but for me and you, it's always we always get most excited when archery season's coming up throughout the summer, and we're always sending pictures of bucks back and forth, and um, we shoot our bows and whatnot together. And but I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we can get out now that our kids are a little bit older. Hopefully, we can get out a few times this year and film each other and whatnot. Absolutely. So, but. Cool, man. Well, if that's yep. it, we're going to close it out. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on the podcast with me and um, talk archery hunting and public land hunting and stuff like that. So hopefully we can both get some good deer on the ground this year and uh, both get it on film. So Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, you know, if like I said earlier, if, you know, me rambling on, so I know a little bit of it was probably – not that easy to understand if if you guys have any questions about anything just look us up on facebook and shoot us a message and we can get you some answers so definitely yep yep all right guys we're gonna we're gonna close this out and uh i think on the next episode um i'm gonna probably talk about maybe how my how we, we're going to transition into archery season, maybe talk about like our tree stand setups, maybe some climbing stick stuff. But the last thing I wanted to do was come back to that verse. First Samuel sixteen seven b For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And for me, what that means is... Um, it's all about what's in your heart. Um, a lot of people, uh, I guess, walk around and if you if you talk to them, they might say they know God, but um, there's a different, um, I guess, a different meaning to knowing God than knowing knowing our Savior, and that's Jesus. So <clears throat> you can say all you want that you know God and that you read the Bible or whatever. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then where are you where where do you think you're gonna end up? And that's a question I ask a lot of people is, you know, say you die today, are you are you gonna go to heaven or are you gonna go to hell? That's and that's a controversial controversial question. Um but I just tell them that in the end I I know that I'm I'm going to be going to heaven because in my heart I know that I know the Lord and I know that that Jesus died for me. And I had a moment in time where 
I accepted Christ, and and that was with my heart. That wasn't just um, a prayer. I, I a prayer that I prayed, or um, just kind of the cool thing to do in the group of your friends or whatever. You know, <clears throat> I had a moment in time where my life changed, and I I guess that's my question for for everybody listening is, um, yeah, where are you where are you gonna end up? Um, I just wanted to wanted to speak on that verse and it definitely uh definitely hit me when i read it um the lord looks on the heart um man looks on the outward appearance and and what that kind of means is you know we meet someone and say we meet someone that that we don't know and i guess the first thing we do is we judge them on their outward appearance um say they you know they have a different skin color or they dress a, a funny way or they have a bunch of tattoos people might look at me and and think oh he he's kind of weird or whatever because i have a a bunch of tattoos but they might not think that that i am a christian um and that's what kind of is is screwed up with the society nowadays is everybody looks on the outward appearance and they don't look on look on the in, inward appearance which is which is the heart so I just wanted to touch on that. Um, that was kind of convicting to me when I when I read that. Um, but that that's something I'm I wanted to ask you guys listening is you know where are you gonna end up? Um, is that is that something that you can like boldly say? Like I can say that I know that I'm gonna be going to heaven because I know Jesus died for me on the cross. So, but. Um, I can speak on that all day, um, but I know we're, we're getting pretty deep into this episode, so I appreciate you guys listening um, to episode number four. I thought we had a pretty good discussion, me and Sean. Um, he's definitely pretty knowledgeable on archery hunting and, and arrows and, and broadheads. So. <clears throat> but like I said, um, I guess I'll figure out what I'm going to talk about on the next episode, but I, I appreciate you guys listening. And uh, stick with us. And um, may God bless your hunt.